You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Today we will be having a conversation on Just For Us, starring Alex Edelman at the Hudson Theatre on Broadway. This is Half Hour with Jeff and Richie. Half Hour! Hi everyone, Richie here from Half Hour Podcast. And Jeff. How's and everyone? <laughs> and we're here today to have a wonderful conversation with you on all things Broadway. And today we're talking about a very special show that we just very recently checked out on Broadway. This is called Just For Us. It's starring Alex Edelman, a hilarious comedian. And mm-hmm. it's playing at the Hudson Theater in New York City on Broadway until about mid-August. So this just started in June. It's going to August, and I figured I'll give a little bit of a history and background on the piece before we kind of dive in and start talking about it. I think um, that's perfect. Yeah, love, love. That. And don't forget, as we always say, this conversation will feature spoilers. So if you are planning to go see it and you want to wait to listen to this till after, uh, but if not, you know, dive in with us. We're going to kind of <laughs> not hold back with what we're talking about here today. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex Edelman is a comedian, actor, and writer. Uh, this play just for us with this piece i should say marks edelman's broadway debut and had sold out runs off broadway also in washington dc boston which is his hometown as well as in england and the uk uh his first solo show millennial won the 2014 edinburgh comedy award for best newcomer and the first american show to do so since 1997 Mm -hmm. he has an amazing um comedy career uh and this piece was directed by adam brace adam brace the director of this passed away in april of 2013 oh sorry 2023 rather uh and the the production is dedicated in his memory uh Mm -hmm. and the playbill states that adam toured the hudson theater a few months ago and affirmed this space as a good fit for the piece so it's always nice to know that even through these tragic tragic moment like that that you know, the director came to this space and said, this is the space for this. You know, I just, uh, you know, I, I and he feel did that a few months before he passed away. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So it says yeah. here, his impeccable sense of story structure and thorough line live on in every performance here. So mm-hmm. really impactful stuff there. Uh, but let's go into this a little bit here, just for us on Broadway. First, let's kind of just go into Jeff a little bit. Now that we kind of did some background and context on just your thoughts on the performance and the delivery that Alex Edelman gave and some standout moments maybe for you in the piece as a whole. <clears throat> okay, so I will go on the record here saying I did not even know who Alex Edelman was prior to the announcement of this show. So I was very intrigued when I saw that he was coming to Broadway and could only imagine what his show was going to be about and what his stand-up comedy was going to be about because usually if you're going to Broadway, it's something that is definitely going to be fitting for the Broadway industry. And I will say that it was, I thought that he just brought such a great stage presence, even though it was stand up and comedy, it just worked really well on this stage. He has amazing comedic timing and he knows also how to just you know, it wasn't just off the cuff comedy, there was a structure to this, and he knows how to tell a story. And it was really great, because it just felt resonating to most of the people in the theater and also to myself. So, you know, I applaud Alex in this as a whole. Yeah, I went in really blind on this. I really didn't know much about him. 
score the piece. Mm-hmm. The audience clearly enjoyed it. I was captivated the whole time. It's approximately 90 minutes. I really felt like I was on this journey with him. He mm-hmm. broke the fourth wall so much. He addressed the audience at times. Sometimes when you think of stand-up comedy, you think like Mike stand, Mike stool, stand, tell stories. This was storytelling with movement. He utilized this huge stage and, and moved across it. I also really commend him on taking us with him on the journey and also like thinking his thought process. You were with him in the thought process and the thoughts mm-hmm. that went back and forth when he steered away from the main story plot and then brought us back to the main story plot and steered us away and brought us back. I never felt lost. I never felt confused. He took us and you saw his think process. He used his hands at times he was, you know, using his hands to kind of captivate, tell the story. He ruffled his hair often and he was resetting and refocusing. And you were just on the journey with him and his right. thought process. And he has been telling the story how many times? And there was right. a part of me that thought he was telling it for the first time, you mm-hmm. know, and that's a gem of a performance when you can really say that. Right. You know, so give the listeners a little bit of a background on the plot point that he's going through in this stand-up show. Main, mainly we're focused around a central plot where he ha- is going to, uh, you know, out out of nowhere, really, of reading a tweet, <laughs> a, a, a meeting that is held in Queens at an mm-hmm. address that he saw on a tweet. He doesn't know these people. He's never been. But he was going to an anonymous meeting and there was the, and he, he didn't know anyone. He just knew the address and he was going to talk to people about whiteness mm-hmm. and he goes and realizes that he's amongst really, really bad people talking mm-hmm. about anti-Semitism, racism and, and their whiteness being affected in current society. So and what's so crazy about this, what this main focus is, is about him going to this meeting. Right. And what's so crazy about this is when you're sitting here and you're listening to him tell this story, I'm imagining this. And this is why I think it works so well on the Broadway stage is I'm imagining this as a full fledged Broadway play. Mm -hmm. Like, do you picture him and the, the play is starting and he's walking into this home and no one knows what's happening at this apartment in Queens. And he walks in and you start meeting the other characters and you're like, wow, this, this could be something for him there in well, like, it clearly what? was enough for him to be able to tell this story like this too. Right. Right. So like, that's why I, I'm so this, this show really kind of stands out for me because I'm like, yes, it's stand up comedy. It's on a Broadway stage. But I was like, this also works in another way because what this story that he's telling us is it's real, but it's so imaginative at the same time. Like, what would this look like as a full play? And then he would steer us off a little bit and we talk about some other subplot stories. And I never felt like that was deterring from what he was trying to do and tell here. And, but and, it's a cool you know thing. I mean? the, the plot points that he's bringing up, it's a cool thing because it's it's taking you into flashback moments where – these characters that he's talking to at in this, um, I don't know, what do you want to call it? The, in the round. A, a or meeting, this just meet, a general the me- meeting. The meeting. The meeting of, like, neo-Nazis, almost. Yeah, and, that's what he says, yeah. Right, it's like, um, okay, but the flashbacks, like, he brings different elements into his life. Like, he almost felt like 
things that were happening at this meeting remind him of certain things from his past in very different ways, obviously. But, you know, just on some certain topics in here of like identity and religion and social social class ranking, especially being him being from Boston, it's like he he just remembers so much from and feels inspired from this meeting. Yeah, and the identity is a huge issue that he brings up here too. Religion and identity, identifying as a Jewish man, and and there was a lot of Jewish references throughout the piece. Some I got, some I did not. And that didn't even matter to me because I was just there with him understanding this and listening and realizing, oh, maybe I didn't understand that joke or that reference, but some of them I did and I thought were so funny. And here he is brave enough to go to this. And I thought it was interesting when he said, I go out into the lobby every night after the show and talk to the audience. And the one, one of the biggest questions I get asked is, were you scared? Because <laughs> I thought that. I I'm like, this is really scary. Like, you're going somewhere you don't know? Like, I, did you, and I would just, oh, I think it was I mean, so brave I, to go, you know? Boom. Would you ever go? Oh no! Oh my gosh! I would be way too afraid. I, <laughs> you know, I don't so know what I'd be some, into. He has a little bit of like gall to even be like, sure. okay, I need to go and see what this is about. Like, I need to, you know, someone's tweeting this out. They're tweeting an address. Literally, anyone could go there, and he just takes it upon himself to be like, I need to go and see what people are talking about. He's like, because. All of these people exist in the world. And that's what I think is so eye-opening, too, with a show like this. Because he's saying, you know, in terms of identity here, he's like, we all come into this world as, like, nothing. He even explains his friend's baby as, like, a little brisket with eyes, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and then we start learning things as we move on in life. And he tells us a story about how he's goes to get a piece of pizza that has pepperoni on it and he can't eat it. And his grandfather like comes to him. He's like, no, you're Jewish. And it's the first moment he ever knew that he was Jewish. And you think back to that and where you can kind of relate this to yourself is like, oh, do you remember a lot of the first times you kind of were like, oh, I'm Italian or, oh, I'm Irish or, oh, I'm Catholic or something like that. And that's kind of like, you know, he's using his past experience, but everyone has this experience. Well, it's interesting because we most come into this world and we don't know. And then you start learning about like, oh, this is my family and this is what, you know, they. this is how they want to raise me. And it's interesting because he says he has the empathy at one point for these people that are sitting at this meeting because he realizes like, oh, these people had to be taught this. These people had to be taught class structure and taught identity as being white or taught that you know their religion is the religion of all and it doesn't just come to you that you you know you don't just wake up and you're five years old and you're like okay i'm jewish or oh okay i'm white and i'm catholic and i'm this and i'm that and it's like that for me was probably one of the most eye-opening things there because he's going back to the time where he realized oh i'm this okay he makes some sort of reference at some point, and of course I'm paraphrasing here, <clears throat> about people gather when they all feel like they're not heard and mm -hmm. they have similar – and so obviously not justifying this gathering by any means, but he's trying to – and I love how he says, I'm not justifying it, but 
Like I don't, right. be, I believe me, I don't agree with any of this, but I see people coming together, and and I love the reoccurring themes that he brings up. The nodding, <laughs> yeah, oh, <laughs> the nodding. That was like because how many times are you amongst people, and that's right. And then he right, also, where you're like, <clears throat> yes, okay, yeah. Uh-huh. But there's this threat <laughs> of this threat. People are gathering, and in New York City of all places, too, right? This is not in the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere. And he talks about people gathering as saying, oh, my whiteness is being threatened, or they feel reverse racism. Or So he's like, I gathered amongst these people, and I'm like, you all are feeling the same thing. Like, how astonishing is that, that I'm seeing this? And mm-hmm. and you're and he's sitting seeing watching it. And then it comes down to why is that so common? People gathering in clusters and forming their own thoughts based on what they know. And when you say everyone kind of goes through something like this in a way, you think of like parents and grandparents or even great grandparents and what has been passed on through generation and what hasn't. And I mm-hmm. think that's what's interesting. How many times were we born like, oh, well, this is what we do on Christmas. This is what we do on Easter or this is what we do right. on Memorial Day. I don't know. It doesn't even have to be religious. It could be just like um, societal. This is well, what like, we do. Oh, oh, it's a little bit around that word of tradition, you know, yeah. and as a tradition, what do we bring and what do we pass on? And so many things I feel like, especially as millennials, and that's another reason why I think we relate so much to him in a way is like, he's millennial. He He's like probably some of the first that are pushing boundaries with us that are like, no, dad, like, or no, mom, or no, grandpa, why are you, why are you doing things like that? I mean, how many times have we had conversations in our life where we push back to people that are in older generations than us, and we say to them, like, um, don't you want to, like, have a different eye-opening experience and, like, just hear us out for a change, Or, you know, don't you want to do better? And whatever that means to someone is obviously going to be very different from this person to that person on what doing better is. And yet he found comedy in it. Right. And that's the astonishing thing here. Couldn't that story have been told serious or like scary or like, oh, my gosh, I had a really – Instead, he found the comedy of his personal life, that, and then he went on these tangents, and even the tangents that were like the horse, or like the gorilla and Robin Williams, (laughs) like some of that. I want to kind of go into that for a second, if you want to talk favorite moments of the show with the humor. Yeah. I have a few. The horse, I I have said, of course. Um, the, The... humor he found in the gasp of the audience of the Princess Diana and the Queen possibly <laughs> setting up the death of Princess Diana and everyone being like, oh, and he being like, well, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Like, but you that's, know? But I, I think that's so interesting, too, because you and I are sitting there and, like, we've all had that conversation about the royal family and Princess Diana and, like, was it from the inside? And, like... Every generation has a different opinion on what the royal family did to that woman. And it right? continues on into the new part of the Meghan Markle and, and, and how there's issues there and, and and with people having issues with the royal family. So like it's like now another generation of royal family discussion. And then he brings up Harry and all that. I thought that was a great moment. Uh, as well as yeah. – um, just for me, the Charlie Brown Christmas whole thing, the cassette tape, Joseph, and he had that moment where he was like, and we're listening to Joseph, and who is the Sarah of Joseph? And it was like, Donnie Osmond. And we're like, ah, oh. and it's just, and, and the, and like, we're watching Linus, like, it's Christmas. And they're like, what is that, mom and dad? And the dad responding, like, that whole 10, 15 minute segment, I was, oh my gosh, 
I was blown away by how well he told that. Yeah, and it's so funny, too, because, like, he's making fun of his own religion at times as well. And you know people in the audience are so uncomfortable for some parts of it. But it's the same way we do things with, like, being Catholics. And we, like, we make fun of certain things that, like, our family members have done for the longest time in the, you know, religious faith. And now it's like, you know, you can laugh about things. Yeah, you can look at something and say – and then you could look at something and say, how do you stay true to your faith or your culture – as well as also understand like, hey, mom and dad, listen, I, you know, and and it is an identity thing. And that's what this is all about. And that's why I think the title of this Just For Us, which is something that is said right in this meeting. And then yeah. this is also what he looks at and says, well, what is just – Christmas isn't just for – you know, Hanukkah isn't just for – what are, what are values will, and things that are just for? The word just really stands out for me. But I this will is, push back on that a little bit. Okay, because I think there's multiple times, like, if we are going to go into this, like, little moment here of when he's at the meeting, and they finally realize that he's Jewish, and they all freak out, you know, the girl that he was taking a liking to there and was like, oh, you know, maybe we could be together, or maybe this, like, maybe she's going to change, you know, she ends up being the one that, you know, really lets him have it, and at the end says, like, get out, this is just for us. And it makes me think of, like, all of the things in this world, not, you know, whether it's good or bad, where people want things to be just for them. And, like, here's where I'll relate this to us for a second. Like, being at a gay bar. How many times do you hear the gay community say, like, we don't want that person here, or we don't want women here, or we don't want this here, because this is just for us. They can have their things. This is just for us. And 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 where does that come from? What is that rooted in? A sense of, well, we've never had this space, or a sense of, no, no, we can open this space up to others. It, it's very interesting, Jeff, that you say that, because it's everywhere in society. It's racist towns in the rural south it's right it's everywhere you look everywhere you go it's clicks it's it's and it's people gathering in pods with other people who mm-hmm. think and feel the same way and that's not going to bring us together and that's not going to make us think the other way and that's not going to open our minds right and you have to think about that like one step farther because i'm sure plenty of people plenty of people would argument here like you can't compare the two you can't compare a neo-nazi group and queens that you know want to talk about their whiteness to gays that are in a bar that want something for themselves they'll say you can't compare it but i am going to compare it because it's doing the same thing because every you know why why do you need to be alone in a gay bar (laughs) you know like why do you need to there, it, in no but it way comes back to, to the root of it. The root of it was at a time in history, gay bars were a safe and only safe place for people to gather. And so we right. are in a so, different time now. But I'm just trying to say how there's a root sometimes to why yes. people think and feel some way. Okay. But Not most justifying of the peop- one way or the other, but right. Yes. But most of the people that are making that argument have never really dealt with that in their life because they're younger. And, you know, they probably had some of the easiest coming out moments. I'm not saying everyone because I know plenty of people that have not. But I remembered what I was going to say. Turning this and going back to the same way and saying, no, this is just for us is doing the same thing, Mm. you know, by saying, no, you can't come here. This is just for us is doing the same thing. 
it's and it's so interesting that not, like you say you don't want to compare different cultures and different things because what he went through is different than what everyone goes through but at the mm-hmm. same time you do feel united as an audience with him throughout the journey of telling these stories and then i have to go to my other favorite moment the very 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 end because mm-hmm. he keeps talking about the puzzles and i'm like why is that so <laughs> why does he keep talking about that and then for him and then he's like well they say you know puzzles where our life is like a puzzle and it's not complete and even one piece missing can throw off the puzzle and he took that one piece from them and i was like oh my i was like ah what a way to end the story it's such that. a great thing one one topic that i did want to bring up which is a very big thing is he <laughs> likes to kind of uh, what would you call it like vet someone or study someone and figure out how they're going to react to certain things before he ever reacts. It's a very smart thing, I must say. And how does he do this? He does this by saying, if someone asks a question like, oh, Broadway, and he would be like, can you believe it? And then they give their opinion. I'm like, oh, that's so smart. I'm going to use it. It's that. so smart because now, it like, allows you everyone's to... Everyone's just going <laughs> to... I was going to say, everyone's just going to have conversations now about, like, can you believe it? No. Can you believe it? No. Can you and believe it? And how many times are you in the middle of a conversation with someone in, in family or friends or anyone? And you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to talk about this or I don't know if I agree with that person on this. But just saying, can you believe it? You would instantly then find out from them if they're on your side of an argument or not. It's a very smart tactic. And I definitely want to kind of steal it. <laughs> okay. So now I do have a major question here. And this is something I would want to kind of ask him as well. And maybe to everyone here is, if you say, can you believe it? Because you want to know how that person is going to respond. Are you doing this because you want to teeter your re- or, you know, cater your response to how they are going to respond to it, or are you going to be truthful? Oh, no. I, well, it would have to come down to what we're talking about. If we were talking about something like he uses baseball as an example, I think, or can you, or football? I'm not yeah. very well versed in that topic, and I really don't have an opinion one way or the other. So if I said, can you believe it? And he said, yeah, the Yankees, I'd be like, oh, maybe I just agree with them because it's baseball. If it's politics or gender or race or uh, a million other serious things, then maybe I would want to really stick my ground and stay I feel. But first kind of hear how they – and but see you, where the conversation But there's goes. a key word in there that you just said, and you said maybe – you I don't know. So I'd have to be in the situation it. and what see. What I'm curious, though, is how most people would do this. And I'm curious if he would even do it, too. Is like, does he change his response based on what that person's going to say? Is he afraid to give his truthful response, um, thinking that person's going to have a bad reaction to him? Mm. Mm-hmm. You know? Because some people just speak and they give their response, you know? And also, does he also kind of have a. Like, when they actually give their response, he probably changes his opinion on them very quickly. So, it was yeah, interesting. Inter- it is interesting. You know. And then I kind of want to talk a little bit about him and, and, one, and one person shows in general. I think in this, in this one year, we've seen four – this is our fourth in one calendar year, not Tony year. But in one calendar year, we've seen four. What is your thoughts, Jeff, on just the idea of a one-person show on Broadway? We've had them before. It's not like this is anything new. We are seeing a high rise in them. And it is pulling audiences and it is pulling numbers. And I'm going to say some of the grosses of these one person shows are higher than big, big mega productions. You know, we saw Mike Birbiglia's show in the fall. He's a producer on this. What are your thoughts on one person shows in the industry and the future of them? And 
are they just a fluke occurrence or are we going to be seeing more of them in the, in the Broadway space? We're definitely going to see more because it's cost effective mm. uh, for sure. I think also, I think we're having two kind of different conversations here because there's one person shows like Jodie Comer in Prima Facie. Or Jefferson or, Mays in A Christmas Carol, which are more scripted. Which is, and, right. Which is a scripted piece. Or people that are kind of moving their way into the Broadway stage. So we've seen comedy a few times now on the Broadway stage. And I'm curious to see, like, does that resonate with the Broadway community? Are they mad that comedy is on the stage? Do they like it? What are the What is the criteria that needs to be met for a show that is comedy, like stand-up comedy, um, to be on the stage? Because I think both with Mike Barbiglia and... Now, Alex Edelman is that there is a story behind here. Like you can put this story and for Mike Barbiglia as well, um, there could be an actual play that comes up with it. And then also that opens the door of like, should it just be a play? Right. You know, and there, <coughs> it is very interesting. And so I just like to always talk about that because we see so many different formats of shows. Always. And I'm also curious too, like last, when we saw the show last night, like how many people in that theater are everyday Broadway goers or are they, or are they his fans? Right. Right. You know, there were a lot of people there of all different ages and everyone was laughing and it was nice. It was just a nice night. It really was. You know what I I do like, you know what I do like about this though? When there are gaps in between shows coming the theater's not sitting empty. Right. And And I know that some people have their feelings on this, that they don't want this to be the next Las Vegas where people are coming in and they're having sit down music concert shows or they're having comedy acts. The thing that I'll say with this is I don't think anyone's ever going to have more than like a three month stunt um, in New York. They're going to go and do things in other places, but you know, I don't think think we should be afraid of that. Yeah. And I don't think a comedian comes and just does a bit and goes home. That there is spaces for that elsewhere in New York and anywhere. These right. are, I, th- I find that what we've been seeing with Mike Birbiglia and this is crafted storytelling with a little right. bit of scenery and lighting and a the- theatric Broadway element to it. And so, but I that also opens the door of like musicians and do we like that as well on the stage? Like, uh, who was it? Bruce Springsteen that was on. Um, sure, who told his story know. through music, right? Right. You know, do we like that as well? Right. Um, is that what we're going to get with Kelly Clarkson, you know? <laughs> oh, no, I think she's writing like a big show, right? Right. But I'm saying like, <laughs> could we get that with oh, Kelly Clarkson Lord. where she tells a story and puts that on there? You know, well, before we, before we get to final <laughs> thoughts, I just want to mention really quick, we got to go backstage. My friend Rachel from the University of Michigan Theater Program, mm-hmm. Go Blue, um, had made her Broadway debut in the stage management team for this <laughs> show. We got to meet her after and hear all about it. She's friends with Alex. We met Alex backstage, just got to chat with him for a minute and tell him how wonderful the whole experience was, which was amazing. Then we're walking out and I see my friend Rose from high school who's doing wardrobe and she's on that. Congratulations to you, Rose. Shout out Brewster High School alumni, Brewster. So I saw <laughs> a lot of my shout outs. I got I seeing all these people that I, I, I grew up with and I go to school with and I, I study theater with and perform with, and they're working on a Broadway stage and a Broadway show, and I'm so proud of them. So shout out to them. And yes, we did see Alex at the end, got a photo with him, talked to him, got to just tell him how amazing this was. And he was very grateful, very humble. And you could tell he's just 
living this wonderful, great feeling of being in a Broadway space and, in, and enjoying every second of it. So wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, honest. it was so much fun. One yeah. finally, final little note, because I know we're getting close to the bell. Um, for audience engagement, how did you feel the audience responded to the show? It was nice because I was worried at one point if it was going to get like random audience members shouting out or like standing mm-hmm. up or making it feel like you were at a football game. And they were like so respectful of his space and his time. And he engaged just enough and then came back in and engaged. It was very healthy. And I didn't find that anyone was bothersome around me where, you know, it just was actually quite enjoyable of a night. Really. Yeah. And what I, I loved with Alex, what I really loved with Alex too is like he 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 made it clear that there was not going to be a fourth wall in this and he broke that right away, which was great because we he needs to feed off the energy of the audience. And he basically says it too like you know, whatever you give me, I'm going to give back to you. And it just felt great, you know, the more we reacted, the better it was for him the better experience he gave and if we didn't react he he made he it clear playing. he was like yeah he was like oh okay we're going to move on or like okay he's you're like, not okay. understanding my joke <laughs> he's like uh, oh you didn't think that was funny yeah you're yeah. done yeah he was like all right i'll give you something funny <laughs> yes yes so it was so, that was great but. very nice but <sighs> Oh my gosh, we're almost out of time and it's flying by, but we want to just Mm -hmm. give final thoughts on this before we wrap this up. Jeff, what are your final thoughts here on Just For Us starring Alex Edelman? Final thoughts here is, and who should see this, I think that anyone who loves comedy, um, especially Jewish comedy, because it's a major part here. So if you know it, you're going to find it even more funny. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know a lot about the jewish faith and community so it was great to see but alex really is a treat he is so comfortable up on that stage telling his stories and it was just a great piece of theater to see um you know on a monday night which was nice too because we never get to see things on monday nights really yeah Um, it was nice i i definitely highly recommend this if you get the chance to see it before it closes overall i would say i really enjoyed this he's just wonderful and i had a great time and i want to just say one thing as my final thought backstage we saw a whiteboard and the whiteboard Mm -hmm. lists some notes that i guess him and some of the team and the stage management um, sit down and say like what should we focus on tonight like in tonight's Mm -hmm. performance and i just want to read one that really stands out to me on the whiteboard um and i i just remember this statement as saying the story is the star Mm. if every single performer in the world remembered that before they Mm. a, a, a pop singer a Broadway performer, a Hollywood actor. If you remember that the story is the star, he is the star. He's above title on this. Of course he could be. Right. And he, if you remember that the story is the star, it's always about the story. He knows that the story is the star here. And I was so astonished to see that on a whiteboard backstage. And I, I will never forget that. And I'll never forget mm-hmm. that. That is so important. So important. So important. So the story, the story, the story, and the story is the star. And it's what so, we talk about all the time. It all really is. the time, Jeff. We're we always, always talking about like what is the story? What it's is the always story? about the story for me. It has to be. Yeah. It has to be. You can't just, you know, 
mask a story by throwing in someone there to make it better for you, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's great, wonderful. great observation from that. Yeah. Yeah. I really picked up on that. It really stood out to me. I think I've spent my whole career as a director and a theater producer and an educator, just always remembering what the story is. So anyway, mm. I know we're almost out of time here. Thank you all so much yes. for listening. We hope you really enjoyed. Uh, and please check out out on Instagram and TikTok at half hour podcast, engage with us and engage with us with our question earlier on how you would say, the question, which is, oh, can One you second. believe it? <laughs> can you I, believe it? Engage with us on I that. Do want- let, let us know if you use that anywhere. Comment on our Instagram <laughs> post or our TikTok and let us know what you think about that. But yeah, I do want to know what you it. think. Yeah. I love it. All right. Signing off for now. More Broadway shows to come for this summer. We are just getting started with the Zoom Tony season. So we'll let you all go for now. Signing off, saying ta ta for now. I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. Saying bye bye. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.